Welcome to the Eat Local CNY podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Brianna from Nofa, New York. A big shout out to our sponsors for this week's episode, Sriracha Cues. They have launched their new Sriracha Box. The Sriracha Box is the club for foodies who love heat, flavor, and Syracuse. Now you can enjoy a taste of hometown heat and flavor delivered right to your doorstep no matter where you live. Each Sriracha Box features popular sauces from Sriracha Cues and includes favorites like Maple Garlic, Maple Ghost, Empire Beer, Recess Coffee, Syracuse Wing and Spicy Barbecue Sauces, along with spicy specialty foods from other local Syracuse, New York artisans. You can head over to SrirachaBox.com today and get your hands on a Sriracha Box subscription. That's S-Y-R-A-C-H-A-B-O-X.com. And a special offer for all you Eat Local CNY podcast listeners. You can head over to SrirachaBox.com today, pick up your Sriracha Box subscription, and get $10 off your first order when you use code EATLOCALCNY10 at checkout. That's Eat Local CNY, the number 10 at checkout over at SrirachaBox.com for $10 off your first order. Well, don't forget, don't forget October 11th, 6 to 9 p.m. We are having our launch party for the new Eat Local CMY card. Super excited that our friends up at IBU are going to be hosting it. We're going to have food trucks. We're going to have beer. We're going to have music. We're going to have helping hounds there. $30 to get in, and that gets you not only the new Eat Local CMY card, but to get you two beers from IBU and dinner from any of the food trucks that you want. Cannot wait for this party. Make sure that you head over to eatlocalcny.com. Pick up your tickets today. Again, $30. They're pre-sale only. You cannot buy them the day of the event. So make sure, make sure, make sure that you head over to eatlocalcny.com and pick up your tickets today. Well, without further ado, here is my conversation with Brianna from Nofa, New York. NOFA New York, it stands for the Northeast Organic Farming Association, and um, we have different organizations that represent different states, so our organization specifically works within New York State. I, you know, I'd never heard of you guys before going to the fair and doing the pictures there, so um, I never knew the organization existed. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about like yeah. what NOFA does and all that kind of stuff. I read a little bit online, so, mm-hmm. you know, when it was founded and that kind of stuff. But Yep, so all of that, if anyone um, wants to go and check it out, our website is nofany.org, nofanewyork.org. And um, we started in 1983 and um, part of the uh, local foods organic movement. And, um, you know, a lot of us can't imagine the world before organic food was a thing, but there was a time when it wasn't a thing. And so we had this beautiful group of um, people who wanted to uh, grow food um, in a way that um, protected the earth and just took into consideration the ecosystem and um, really took into consideration the farming community and um, just, you know, really advocating on behalf of small farmers. Um, so just this, you know, group of people, I like to call them our, um, beloved old timers. Um, uh, many of them are still with us. They're still our board members. Um, and so I, I really am so excited to, to still have them to draw the history from. Um, 
No for New York uh, began sort of as part of that movement. Um, so that was actually before the organic standards um, became a thing at the federal mm. level, yeah. which sort of dec- dictates how organic certification works. Okay. No, is NOFA a national organization and there's different chapters in each state? Is that correct or is that um, wrong? Nope. So there's a few layers there to, okay. <laughs> to, right. to, to, to uncover. So, um, when it, so we do two things. So, uh, well, we do a lot of things, yeah. but I should say we have, um, sort of a divi- division of labor between our two offices. Um, okay. the offices office here in Syracuse, um, we, um, uh, really focus on policy and advocacy, mm. um, and also education. Okay. Um, the other office in Binghamton focuses on the actual certification of farms. Gotcha. So um, there's agencies mm. across the country that okay. certify for organic, and that all comes down from federal policies. Yeah. Um, but then the um, all the organizations within the um, NOFA umbrella um, exist just within the Northeast. Gotcha. So organic farming, like the um, a lot of the regulations of it started up in the early 2000s. Is that correct, or am I wrong with that? Um, oh God, in this is like, <laughs> in terms of like modern day yeah. restrictions. So I, I should know this, but, um, now I'm going to go look it up. <laughs> the, um, organic standards, I believe, I want to say they were passed in 94. Okay. Um, and so it was in the nineties that they become, became a federal thing where, yeah. um, you are not allowed to put, um, a label on your product and sell your product as organic unless you are certified. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how important is that for farmers for like um, the difference between organic and non-organic farming? I mean, is it, I imagine it's more costly, it's more strenuous, you know, to be a certified organic farmer. Yep. There's a lot of things um, that um, go into organic farming. So um, one thing is, um, so the, the, on a very basic level, organic farmers are not um, using a huge amount of pesticides, herbicides. There are some products that um, are like naturally de- derived that yeah. are approved to be used, okay. but they're not synthetically gotcha. um, and, um, they're not using like Roundup on their corn. Correct. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. <laughs> not using Roundup. And um, I guess the difference between um, there are farms that practice organically mm-hmm. and don't get certified. And, and that's mm-hmm. fine. We work with a lot of those farms. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, part of the reason they don't go through certification is, that, you know, there is a cost involved. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of record keeping. Um, you, you keep track of everything, you know, seed to sale pretty much. You, Everything is traceable. Um, and so, and also there's, um, there's a level of verification. So, um, we actually have inspectors that go to the farm and verify that what you say in your certification application is actually the way that you're practicing. Wow. Yeah. So, um, one example of that is that, um, you have to, um, like rotate your crops and use cover crops. And those are all, uh, things that, um, have to do with soil health. And when you have really healthy soil, you don't have to have as many chemical, you know, you don't have to have all those inputs. Yeah. You don't have to put as much into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is, uh, I'd say, well, the biggest thing that has really gotten me interested in farming uh, or at least like learning more about it. Cause I always think I have a pretty healthy sized yard. I live in the city, but 
we have a, a good size a good size yard and so i always think i'm going to plant something i'm going to grow something and it hasn't happened in the last two years um but i read dan barber's uh book the third plate and especially talking about um the farming from like klaus martens and things like that just really was kind of an eye-opener for me especially i think that somebody that important is in penyan that's doing this mm-hmm. um that's farming in this way so that's when i first started to hear things like cover crops and crop rotation um so just things like that you know it was the first time that i started to get into it and then just thinking about like how strict it must be for farms to have to follow a lot of those regulations to be classified as organic farmers so if they're if they're going to be a certified organic farm, they have to document everything that they're doing with their crop. I mean, like, how does that work? Yep. So um, we they create an organic plan, and now I have to um, just throw out the caveat that I don't yeah. do the certifications. Yeah, right. So I'm not familiar with the process A to Z, but they do have to have an organic plan yeah. um, to, that sort of states um, how they're going to go about doing things. And it can it's very um, specific to each farm. Okay. Um, so say you are a farm that... Um, you know, has a f- another farm that's your neighbor that's practicing conventional, you have to make sure um, conventionally, so they may be using um, chemical sprays and whatnot, mm. you have to show that you, um, say, have enough space that um, that drift isn't coming from that farm mm. to your farm. Otherwise, you can't be certified organic. Wow. Um, so that is particular to a farm within that context. So can you tell me... Uh I mean, w- tell me a little bit more about what you do specifically mm-hmm. with NOFA NY or New York. Yeah, so my role is a as an outreach coordinator. Um, I am on the education team, and so um, I plan and staff a lot of events. Um, some of those are at farms or um, produced for the sake of um, educating farmers, and some are um, the bulk of them are actually consumer outreach events. So um, <clears throat> NOFA historically um, has existed to serve. First and foremost, farmers. Yeah. Um, we're also farmer-led. Um, one of the stipulations of being on our um, board, or sorry, the the board governance is, because um, we are a nonprofit, we're a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit. Um, our board um, has to have at least half the members um, are, board, are farmers. Oh, wow. So that's like really unique to our organization. And yeah. that's just because um, first and foremost, mm-hmm. um, our farmers um, are the uh, priority. Um, but saying that you can't have farms and you can't have farmers without consumers. So, um, you know, part of my role is just sort of explaining why organic matters, um, why building those relationships with your local farmers is important. Why buying from local farms is important. What's the biggest challenge you've seen in that role? I mean, is it more so I'd imagine like in your role, a lot of it, getting together like the farmers and kind of connecting that that's got to be a lot easier than trying to get the community engaged in organic farming. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah. It's kind of twofold part of one of the biggest things is just explaining what organic is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so coming into this, I'm, I'm, um, you know, not even one year into this, um, role. And so I'm still, I, I've just been out in the field sort of gauging what the landscape is like, what are the sort of questions that people have and how can I answer those best? Um, I am big on narrative. So I just really like Mm. to 
tell the farmer's stories and um, draw a picture of what, uh, you know, organic practices look like, Um, you know, talking about things like soil health. Um, But then um, also uh, just doing the the events. um, A big part of that is just community building, um, gathering people, celebrating food, Mm -hmm. um, helping build those connections. So it's education and community building. What brought you to NOFA? to get in this role? (laughs) I just had a big smile because I love working (laughs) for NOFA. (laughs) It's kind of my dream job, but um, I uh, moved out to New York from California three years ago uh, to, um, I started a master's program with the Syracuse University, their food studies uh, program. And um, I wasn't 100% sure what my dream job was. Um, I was still sort of wondering whether I was going to go the research path or the, the practicing path. Mm-hmm. Um, and But um, in between my undergraduate degree, um, the 10 years in between going back to school, um, I worked in restaurants. I worked on a farm. Um, just the majority of my jobs were all uh, related to the food system, yeah. and so I was always thinking about um, these gaps in the food system and how to make these connections. Um, and without really understanding what community building looked like, um, I was already sort of in that world. Cool. Um, so I think it's sort of a, a mixture of my um, interests and. Um, what I've uh, come to learn as part of uh, being a part of the food studies community within that program. And then um, within that program, you naturally end up um, being in a world of people who care about food systems issues. Yeah. What are those gaps in the food system in the area? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, so some of the gaps are just, and um, just these disconnects between um, a lot of times you have restaurants purchasing food from across across the country. And um, that's not necessarily just a physical gap, um, but it's also um, just the way distribution works in this country and our food system. Um, We, we operate in a system where um, we really value efficiency Mm -hmm. um, over um, maybe taking time to sort of think about the value that um, when something is done a little bit less efficiency that that value adds. It may not be um, dollars per se, but it might be value to our community. Is it possible, do you think, for a restaurant in Syracuse or in Onondaga County, where in central New York, to operate 100% with local ingredients? I don't really think okay. that that's possible. <laughs> no, I think um, I think a lot of businesses do a great job of incorporating as many local products as possible. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard nut to crack, you know. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, what I've heard from people who have worked in the restaurant business and... Um, you know, it, it's, you're sort of taught in a certain way to, to, you know, order from the distributor and, um, you don't take into consideration things like seasonality. Mm -hmm. Um, and so maybe it's just, um, I want this tomato and it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. I want it for this dish. Um, and we operate in a food system where we, um, I keep saying we, and it's very much generation (laughs) dependent, what I would say the majority of folks um, have grown up in a system where it's very consumer centric, where we can have whatever we want when we want it. Um, And that's just not the reality of how food exists. Um, Yeah, without certain technologies, which 
are amazing and so helpful. Um, but, um, you know, here in the Northeast, we have, we have weather to battle, you know, we can't necessarily, um, grow everything we want year round. Like, um, someone can in another part of the country. Um, but there's ways to extend the season, so to speak, um, you know, with greenhouses and whatnot. And, um, and that's really helpful and allows farmers to, um, offer more throughout longer periods of the year. Yeah. What, um, I mean, and your, just your ideal picture of kind of that balance between, uh, farming, uh, farming and restaurants or, average household family whatever it is what do you think what do you picture is that like ideal balance of food production and consumption i mean you know you, i know you say like it's impossible to get a hundred percent of your ingredients that are local but what do you think is that balance i think it's different for everybody and i think you do what you can you okay. know um certainly um you know organic food um, most people can see that a lot of the time it costs more um and we sort of discussed some of the reasons why that costs more um uh, beyond the certification and the record keeping um they're also <laughs> because farmers are employing these um cultural practices um as far as you know using cover crops um rather than and building soil health rather than using chemicals they're often using more labor too Mm -hmm. um and not across the board but i find that a most um or i should say a lot of organic farmers um you know want to pay their employees fair wages and so in order to pay for fair wages that cost has to come back so again um just um just educating yourself on um, what these things mean. And it can be really difficult. There's so many labels out there. How do you know what's what and what they mean? Uh, And if there is any policy attached to it or not. Um, So I think to the extent that you can educate yourself, um, having conversations with um, farmers, you know, is always great. Um, but I would say, um, you know, do what you can do what you can afford. And, um, maybe for you, it's, um, if you don't have a lot of money to spend on these organic foods, but you find that you have some time, maybe you keep a garden and maybe that garden is one tomato plant, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, all these little things, they really count and add up. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think is, I mean, when I think of like, you know, I've seen so many things change in Syracuse and like the food scene Mm -hmm. and I'm happy you don't see farm to table as much anymore because I think it's just becoming more of like a common practice. Mm. Um, You know, I had Alex from Amano on and they do a lot to source locally. And if Alex had his way, he would be growing a lot of his own produce and just walking out back and picking it and then putting it in his dish. Um, But you don't see them advertising themselves as this farm-to-table restaurant. Like, you know, even three years ago, there were so many that were popping up, farm-to-table this, farm-to-table that. Um, So I'm happy to see that that's kind of progressed, and it's just kind of more common practice. Is there one common theme when you're talking to a lot of these farms that they're saying um, we're being affected by this, whether it's lower prices mm, or, yep. you know, climate or whatever it is. Yeah. I was just going to say, well, climate is a big one. <laughs> so, um, this year, for example, um, we had a really rainy spring uh-huh. and so, um, 
farmers all over the place were struggling with planting. And so um, a lot of Mm. things were late or um, never made it to market because of that really heavy, rainy spring season. Mm. Um, So that affects um, what they can offer, when they can offer it, and how much it the you know how much it will eventually cost um Mm. also trends definitely food trends affect people you know um if all of a sudden there's a big push for kale or something else you know that consumer centric demand Mm. i would say that i would really like to see a shift from um you know things being really focused on what the consumer wants Mm. to what is realistically available from a physical natural world (laughs) standpoint, you know, because I think farmers try to grow what they can to the extent that, you know, um, taking into consideration just from a business standpoint, it's smart to grow what your market wants. Um, but with farming, there are physical limitations to when you can grow certain things. So I think understanding those expectations going in and, um, you know, um, becoming a community supported agriculture, um, CSA member can be a really great educational opportunity. Um, you can sign up with a farm that offers this sort of program and, um, you, you know, every, every farm does it a little bit different. Um, the traditional model is that you pay up front at the beginning of the season, um, say, you know, 250 to $500. It's really a wide range, um, depending on what the offerings are, Hmm. um, and how many weeks the program lasts. Um, so you sign up as a member and you essentially become a member of the farm. You're an investor. Um, the money that you give up front allows the farm to buy seed, um, buy, you know, organic fertilizer, fertilizers, um, all the costs that you don't think about that a farm has at the beginning of the season. It's really like a a huge, um, infusion of cash that they need every, every spring uh, or winter. Are those programs really, um, I mean, I know that there's a few of them in, in the area that I've seen, but are they that important to, obviously they're important to local farms, but is it a certain size farm that that's going to affect? Like, do you typically see small to medium sized farms, offering that or is it larger farms or everybody there's really um it runs the gamut you can have um a Mm. 25 member csa like um i think it's suny morrisville i recently heard their students run like a 25 member csa mostly just for the campus community and then you have 400 member csas um but the in a nutshell the um idea with csa programs um is that you are really giving, um, becoming a part of the farm and you're mm. sharing a little bit of that risk, you know, because yeah. if, um, mm. if you have a, a slow start to the season, um, and, um, you might have a week off yeah. because the farm just simply can't offer that. Yeah. But in the end, the CSA farms tend to give you more value than market value. Okay. So, um, if you break down on a weekly basis, say you're paying $25, um, market value, it might look closer to $35. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what do you see is like 
the future of organic farming in New York, or at least in the area? Yeah, so I've seen some interesting things um, as sort of a newcomer to this community. Um, I was in uh, the West before, and yeah. it looks a little bit different. Um, what but, is the biggest difference? Well, I think a lot of the farms are larger in, okay. um, like in California. Yeah. Just the geography allows for larger swaths of land to... Mm. Um, you know, be utilized for one single farm. Just simply the geography here in the Northeast um, lends itself to smaller farms. Um, There, yeah, there's like a really rich, it's um, rich community. It's really a small world. I've come to, to, um, to know that um, week to week, um, there's just so much overlap um, Hmm. with the people that I meet and what they're doing. Um, So it's a really small, warm community. Um, but as far as, um, looking ahead, um, you have things like, um, hemp is a big thing. Um, and so our organization just uh, began certifying hemp operations. Um, so if, if some folks don't know the, um, hemp became legalized in New York a few years back, but it became federally legal with the 2018 farm bill. Hmm. And so because organic um, policy is dictated at the federal level, um, we couldn't certify for organic until that was made federally legal. So now we are certifying. Um, And so um, the thing with hemp is that um, it's a great opportunity for farmers to diversify their operation. Mm. Um, There's a lot of talk of, um, you know, diversification in any businesses, you know, smart, diversify yeah. your revenue stream. And it's the same with farmers. They might have a CSA. They might also go to the farmer's market. Mm. They might, um, you know, make sauerkraut. And those yeah. are just um, sort of gives you a level of protection within your business to have uh, different product offerings. Um, yeah. So um, so hemp is, is another product that, um, you know, you can grow it for fiber um, or yeah. you can grow it for CBD products. Mm. Um, so that's a, a new thing, um, especially hmm. in the Northeast, New York, um, specifically. Um, and, um, yeah, CBD is blown up and I'd imagine everywhere, but especially here over this last year. Oh yeah. yeah. It's huge. Yeah, it's I actually crazy. should, um, full disclosure. Yeah. I also work for head and heel, yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> main street farms. Um, so I'm, I'm a supporter there. Um, wait, that's main street farms. Yeah. It's okay. separate business, but it's all grown yeah. on the same farm. So mm-hmm. are they, so are they producing it themselves? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So there's 30 acres. I was just out at the farm this weekend, that's um, wild. 30 acres of hemp. Um, and hmm. it's just, you know, or all organically grown, um, and just really lovely and beautiful. And (laughs) I mean, what's the hardest thing with that crop with growing hemp? Gosh, well, I don't grow the hemp, so (laughs) (laughs) maybe we should get, um, Bobcat or Alan in here. here Yeah, you definitely should. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I think, um, actually that would be a fun podcast. You, Bobcat and Mark. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> my buds. Know, yeah, they're listening. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this comes out, we need to make that happen. Yes, make that happen. Um, I know that with, so growing for CBD in particular, you're growing for different qualities than um, when you're growing for fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really want to have concentrated terpene levels, those CBD compounds, um, mm-hmm. and also watch for that THC level, which yeah. you want to stay below 0.3%. Mm-hmm. Um, so just... That's wild. Yeah, 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 having um, as many of the, the compounds that you do want there. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Do you know, is there one crop that's like the uh, biggest moneymaker, like the premier thing for farmers to be focusing on like this year? Oh, premier crop. Hmm. I'm wondering if it is like hemp, you know, for CBD oil because it's blowing up so much or. Yeah, I think um, I think hemp definitely um, can provide a huge like return on investment yeah. compared to vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is an option. I know there's like limited permits that the New York state um, government allows. So it, mm-hmm. it's unfortunately not something that everybody yeah. can grow. You can't just jump um, into it. Yeah. And also if everybody grew it, then, you know, you run into those. um, I mean, it would be a lot of uh, flooding on the market and everything. Um, But certainly there's there's space. And um, one thing Mm. I really enjoy about working for um, Main Street and Head and Heel is that um, Alan has really um, been on top of the policy work and advocating on behalf of small farmers. Um, He really doesn't want to see what's happened in other states where um, you have big corporations just buying up large swaths of land. Mm. Um, and that's actually not mm. a disconnected issue from um, the issue of uh, dairy farms uh, yeah. closing down in New York State. Yeah. Um, so you have dairy farms going out of business and, and mm. um, you know, this is all hypothetical, but yeah. you can have <laughs> people come in and swoop in and, and buy the land and, um, and plant a bunch of hemp. And so mm. um, Alan has worked on promoting policies to put in place where, um, you know, say a certain amount of um, permits are, are um, allowed just for small farmers. Mm. Um, and then um, also putting in uh, regulations uh, that protect consumers. Um, there isn't a whole lot of regulation right now. It's sort of a gray area when it comes to CBD products. And yeah. this is across the country. Um, and so, uh, you can have people selling things that um, aren't actually what they they right. are. So yeah, um, yeah. I'd imagine there's a lot of that in that industry right now, just because yeah. there's so much of it. Yes, you know. So buy products from people who provide third party testing yeah. <laughs> is what I recommend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if there's one thing that you would hope the general public would know about organic farmers um, or farming, you know, what mm-hmm. what would that be? I would say that. Um, you know, when you see a lot of times people say, you know, they don't buy organic food because it costs more. Mm-hmm. And I totally get that. And if it's yeah. out of your reach, I understand that, um, you know, talk to farms and um, and understand what their practices are. Yeah. But also understand that um, generally organic farmers um, don't make a lot of money yeah. <laughs> and and they're they're not doing, you know, they're doing it because they believe in it. They're doing it because they believe in protecting the environment. Mm. They believe in giving people good, healthy food. Um, and, you know, there are community members. And so um, to the extent that you can interact and get to know them and support them whenever possible, um, I really recommend it because it's a really beautiful community. Yeah. Um, so saying that <laughs> we, we have an upcoming conference. Yes. So, um, NOFA has, um, I believe we are in our 35th year of our conference. Okay. Um, it's, it's really a, quite the big endeavor. Um, we're just jumping really headstrong into our conference planning period. Um, but the past 10 years we've been in Saratoga Springs and this year we are actually going to be in Syracuse. Awesome. Um, we'll be at the On Center, um, and it is, um, I'll get the, the correct date, um, 
maybe we can post yeah. it somewhere but it'll be the second or third week of um of january okay um cool. so we always hold it in the january because um farmers are busy much of the rest of the year yeah so this gives them the opportunity to come and mm. we hold a lot of workshops that are are um about organic farming production um but also we have tracks uh workshops uh regarding like food systems policy food justice work um we um do homesteading workshops so you know we might have a cheese making workshop gardening um we do a lot of gardening workshops um so even if you're a home gardener and not necessarily looking to grow on a a farm scale um but then we also have entertainment we have really good food um all the food comes from our farmers uh yeah so uh, we either pay them for the food or we work out trades so that they can attend the conference um but all the food is really really good um and then we have a a big trade show that's really fun and this year we have some new things in the pipeline that are going to be um you know more geared towards uh the average public member um so i'm really excited about that um so yeah there's going to be a lot of fun things and um like i said organic farmers are just this really special unique um club that i i kind of call myself like a farmer groupie (laughs) (laughs) because i i mean while i do keep a garden i and i have worked on farms i um you know there's a lot of work to go before i could call myself a farmer by any (laughs) stretch of the word that's awesome Well, Brianna, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming down and sitting on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, there it is, folks. Thanks so much for checking out the Eat Local CMY podcast. means so much to us. Do me a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button. Leave a review to let me know what you think of the Eat Local CMY podcast. We have some amazing episodes coming up and such wonderful guests that are on the podcast, so make sure that you hit that subscribe button so that way you know the moment the next episode drops. That's all we got. We're going to catch you at the next episode of the Eat Local CMY podcast. <laughs>